Praise the name of Jesus. God, I thank you and give you praise. Oh, yes. Praise the Lord for the ministry. Sounds of the tabernacle. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we're going to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Chapter 2 and chapter 4. Hallelujah. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah is between Esther and Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at verse number 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. King James says, and the new King James says, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Or they began this good work. In chapter 4, verse number 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people had a mind to work for the people had a mind to work the NIV says uh, the people worked with all their heart I want to use for thought today let us rise up and build let us rise up and build let us pray father I thank you for your word I thank you for the power of your word I thank you, Lord, that your word, when it goes forth, will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you that you will prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. You sent your word to us today. Thank you for what this word is going to accomplish in our lives, in the thing that you sent this word to. We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you, God, for prospering this word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let us rise and build. Amen. Amen. The book of Nehemiah is a continuation of the history of the Hebrew people that is recorded in the book of Ezra. At one point, Ezra and Nehemiah were books, were one book. And later on, as scriptures was translated, they were separated and made into two books. The name Nehemiah means Jehovah comforts. Nehemiah grew up in, in Persia among the Jews who had been exiles in Babylon before Cyrus restored their freedom. He had had the honored position of being the king's cupbearer. It was an honored position because in order to be the king's cupbearer, you had to be a trusted person. Uh, He was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, 
Uh, and Artaxerxes was the son of King Asherius. You know the book of Esther and the things that happened to the Jews in Shushan. So, you know, he was very close to the king. His position was one of great trust and great responsibility. Well, Nehemiah received a report on the spiritual and physical poverty that existed in Jerusalem and the fact that the walls of the holy city had been, were still in ruins, gates had been burned. Nehemiah was heartbroken. To make this story a little short, when King Asherius noticed Nehemiah's anguish and downcast, downcasting of his spirit and found out why Nehemiah was so troubled, he appointed Nehemiah as governor of Judah and gave him the authority to return to his homeland to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem to restore the gates. Now, just to put this in a, some perspective for some of us, this took place about 100 years after Zerubbabel had arrived in Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So the temple had been rebuilt 100 years ago. The walls were still in ruin. It also took place 14 years after Ezra had gone to Jerusalem to restore the temple worship. So temple worship was in place, but the walls around the city were in ruin. Now, after a lot of opposition to the work, uh, of course there was, uh, in, in 519, King Darius issued a second decree to rebuild the temple. And then in 458 B.C., time is coming down, not up, Ezra dedicates the temple. As I said, the walls had remained in ruin since Nebuchadnezzar had completely destroyed Jerusalem 140 years prior to this time. Now, you might wonder, because we don't live in walled cities anymore, uh, you might wonder why it was so important for the walls, uh, or why this was such an important issue that the walls had been destroyed, the gates had been burned. But with the walls destroyed, the remnant of the people that s still lived in Jerusalem had no protection from the surrounding nations who could come, e come in easily and, and rob them and, and, and rob them of their harvests and rob them of their possessions. In essence, rob them of their lively, livelihood. They could easily come in and destroy the temple again. Yeah, yeah. So it was in 444 B.C. that Artaxerxes issued the third decree and permitted Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the walls. Yeah. So to restore these broken down walls and to replace uh, the burned gates uh, was Nehemiah's first major project to return to Jerusalem. And although they were faced with many problems and, and much opposition, by continual prayer, fasting, and faith in the word of God, Nehemiah led the people to complete the walls in 52 days. 52 days. Now, in the process, there was a great emphasis placed upon hearing the word of God, as well as on understanding and applying the word of God which also led to a revival among the people. So it wasn't just rebuilding the walls, but it was the physical walls around the city, but that was a rebuilding that took place in the spiritual lives of the people. Follow me now. I know I don't normally start like this, but it's good to get some history sometimes. It's from this background that the Lord has been dealing with me about a message to you this morning. It's not so much that the church lies in ruin, hear the Lord now, that our walls have been torn down. It is that there is no fire. 
There is not a zeal for the Lord's church and for the Lord's worship like it should be. There's not a zeal. There's not a zeal here like it should be. Yeah, yeah. Many of us seem to be lackadaisical about the worship. We could take it or leave it. We could stay at home, really, on Sunday. It really doesn't matter. But we come out of responsibility. Many of us are lackadaisical about growing the ministry. Lackadaisical about the fellowship of believers. Lackadaisical about a relationship with God that fosters love, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, and all of the other things that will cause us to be like Christ and things that are magnet to those in need of Christ. A lot of times we just don't seem to care anymore. You say, well, Pastor, I'm here. That shows that I care, but where's the fire? Where's the zeal? You know, where is the excitement about being a part of the worship, about seeing the church grow? Where are our children? I looked around this morning and I said, I wonder where are our little children? We used to have a lot of little children come to church, but now you can almost count them on, the, on one hand. Where, where? Where? Where are our children? Yeah, we, we seem lackadaisical. Seems like, not that it is, just seems like, that the attitude is if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If the pastor doesn't do it, or if the ones he chooses to do don't do it, then it won't get done. Seems like, not that it is, it seems like. Let somebody else do it because I'm not interested. I'm not willing. I have something that's more important than church, church things, more, more important than, than ministry. Not really interested in helping to foster a vibrant and growing ministry. And really, I'm not disturbed enough. I care enough to do anything to change the situation. I, I'll talk about it. I'll, I'll, I'll point out all of the faults. I'll point out everybody's shortcoming, but I don't care about offering any suggestion or coming forth with anything to, to cause the ministry to grow. Now, now because of this attitude or the, or the spirit that has pervaded this body, the body, in a sense, is in ruin. Because of this attitude, because of the spirit that has pervaded the body. The worship, in a sense, is in ruin. I know we, we come and we sing and we, 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 we flag and we practice, but there's no zeal. Folk don't get in a hurry to get to choir practice. Folk don't get in a hurry on Sunday morning to be at school of ministry. We come in all times. We're supposed to be at 9, we come at 9.15, 9.20, 9.30, 9.50, 10 o'clock, 10.15. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. In a sense, the fellowship is in ruin. We're in a desperate situation 
Because that which should mean, should be a means of encouragement to us. That which should be a means of protection for us. That should, which should be a means of, 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 of security is riddled with gaping holes and destroyed gates. And I, I, I believe God is grieved. I mean, you know, if we can come Sunday after Sunday and these seats are not filled, while knowing that Jesus said that we're to go into the hedges and the highways and compel men and women to come to, come to him or to come to his house because he wants his house filled, if we can come Sunday after Sunday and see the seats not filled and it doesn't matter to us, something is wrong. If we can miss several Sundays of worship because of other things that are more important than this fellowship of believers that we are part of, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Especially when the word of God has specifically told us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. And we know the word. I, I can understand visiting another ministry every, once a year. Maybe missing two Sundays, but I don't understand missing months out of church. Or if our time adds up to months, months out of, out of worship. Because your presence is vital. I don't understand taking three or four vacations a year. You ain't going on a mission trip. How are you taking all these vacations? Amen, Walls. You ain't doing the Lord's work. <sighs> if we can see a need, but have the attitude that somebody else should do it, when we're all a part of the same body, and everyone is important in the body, something is wrong. If we can mistreat one another, hold grudges, have an unforgiving spirit, something is wrong. There are gaping holes in our relationship with God and the gates of our worship has been burned. The enemy has come in and he's stealing killing and destroying. Saints, we're suffering. And we, somebody say we. We must do something about it. We, we, this, this is not something the Lord needs to do. We need to do it. Now, of course, our situation is, is not actually the same as the Jews in Nehemiah's day. But a parallel can be drawn in that theirs was a physical ruin while ours is a spiritual ruin. Yeah, we're going, we're coming, and we're going through the worship. But there's a ruin that has taken place. You see, as I stated, that the temple had been restored 100 years prior to Nehemiah's burden, uh, to go back and rebuild. Temple worship has, had already been restored, but the walls and the gates, the very important walls and gates that would have provided protection for the people, the temple and their livelihood, were still in ruin. So God burdens Nehemiah with the vision to rebuild the walls. And Nehemiah accepts the responsibility 
But it's what happens when he finally tells the leaders and the people of Judah what the Lord had burdened him to do that speaks to us today. And let me say, saints, I have a burden for this ministry. I can't walk away from this ministry. I can't walk away from what the Lord birthed in me and out of me. I carried this ministry in my spiritual womb until the day that the Lord caused it to come forth. I see what's going on. And I'm troubled by what I see. And I want to do something about it. Yeah. yeah. I can't walk away. I, I, I can't get mad at you and take my family and go. I can't get disgusted by what I see and say, I'm going to go to another church. I'm not getting anything there. I got to go somewhere. I can't do that. I can't. I can't turn my back and go to greener pastures. Yeah. I can't even point my finger at any one person or one group and say you're at fault. I can't do that. I can't do that. I have a burden. I have a burden for the worship of God because I know what can come out of the worship if the fervency and the desire is there from the people. But I can't make you have fervency. Years ago, some of you might remember when uh, um, what's the latest short hair Aretha Wilson came here and preached and when she got up that night and preached she said you all gonna kill the man of God cause he shouldn't have to be stirring you up the way he stirs you up now I may not be saying it exactly like she said it but, but it shouldn't have to be when you come through the doors you ought to be on fire Praise and worship ministry should be leading us in praise and worship, not pumping us to praise, pumping us to worship. But the music shouldn't be the cause of our dancing. Our dancing should come whether there's music or no music because there's something we have to praise God for. I mean, you know, we shouldn't wait till somebody else dance and then we feel like I want to get in on it. So I, 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 can't, I can't make you have fervency. I can't impart zeal into you. But I can share with you what the Lord has shared with me. The Lord has burdened me these last couple of weeks with the words, rise up and build. Rise up and build. Saints, it's time for us here at Tabernacle of Praise to rise up and build this ministry to the level and the place where God would have it be. Because saints, if we don't do it, not only will we fail to fulfill our destiny, but we will also affect the generations now and the generations that will come after us they're not going to have any zeal. Do you remember when our children would dance and praise God and run around the church? What happened? Saints used to sing a song, Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't sing like you used to sing. What's the matter now? You ain't no mean to, to preach a throw down sermon and tune up and holler and spit. What's the matter now? 
Now, God, we're going to look at these scriptures. There are several things that, that we should notice that maybe that will speak to us in this process. Because we need to rise and build. It's time to rise and build. It's time for us to get people and fill the house. Time for you to bring your grandmama and your cousin and your great uncle. We're going to church today. Time for you to call those people that haven't been coming and say, you need to be in church on Sunday. Yeah. Well, the first thing that, that as I look at the scripture, there's a lot in, in, in Nehemiah that speaks to this and a, a lot of things that happened that I won't have the time uh, or the energy to tell you about today uh, that speaks to this, but I'm going to share three things, three major points with a lot of things in it. <laughs> Nehemiah shares what the Lord has burdened him with and in essence challenges the people to come together with him and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Nehemiah didn't stand aside and write a letter to the, to the people. He didn't write pamphlets, excuse me, on the failure of the brethren and talk about how they had failed and what they had done wrong. Nor did he wash his hands of the whole matter and conclude that because the failure had indeed come, he was justified in giving up all concern about the testimony that had been committed to Judah. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. That wasn't what he did. He was grieved about the situation. Just read it. Read the first chapter. Yeah, he was grieved. His, 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 deep was, his grief was deep and genuine. Yeah. And it was one that led him to do something about it. Led him to do something about it. His grief led him to an earnest desire to be an instrument. Are you listening? To be an instrument in the hand of the Lord for the establishment of the truth and the recovery uh, uh, and encouragement of those feeble few people who had remained in Jerusalem. While the walls were broken down, he wanted to do something about it. So for us today, when we think about that, this is not a situation for us where, where me or anyone can elevate ourselves or separate ourselves uh, as though we are not a part of the situation. We are tabernacle of praise. Yeah. If the situation lies in ruin, we have to come together and fix it. We got to do it. Let us come together and repair the breaches. Let us come together. You know, for, for, for years I've been preaching. You know, we started, you know how we started this ministry? You know the book we started, this ministry teaching by Joyce Meyer? What was the name of that book? Lord have mercy. Life without strife. For years we've been preaching about forgiveness. Years we've been preaching about not holding grudges and getting along and loving each other. Treating each other right. Let us come together now. And repair the breaches. If you got an order against somebody, settle it. Today. Today. Not next week. Today. You know, for several Sundays I've been looking at the choir. You know, you, we used to have about 30 people in the choir. I know why some people stop singing. But is that not a bigger picture? 
ministry all about one person that, that you can be offended by one person and then sit down? Is that not a bigger picture? Let us come together. Because you see what happens is if I get mad at Elder Stowe, I don't keep it to myself. I go and talk to Elder Hoskins. Then I talk to somebody else. And I talk to somebody else and then they start saying, well, you know, yeah, that is the truth. And then they go and tell somebody else. And then, then we got all of this stuff. Let us come together. Because the ministry is bigger than any one of us. And the work of God is more important than any small attitude or any hurt feelings that you might have. Let us. The ministry is greater than anything that you, any one thing that you might disagree with. And whenever you start having issues about one particular thing, it affects you in another particular area because most of us are not mature enough to deal with that one issue and get over it. Let us come together and repair the breaches and rebuild the gates Repair relationships. Return to our first love. Fill the house. Let us come together and work for the Lord. He's laid a burden on my heart. It's time to rekindle the flame, saints. It's time to repair the breaches. It's, a time, it's time now to allow the love of God to flow. The Bible talks about the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, which means it has been poured out liberally in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The old people didn't know, always know the scripture, but they would say, the love, let the love flow from heart to heart and breast to breast. They understood the concept we know the word and don't understand the concept. We quote the scripture, but we don't understand the concept. Because the church won't grow if you're mad at somebody in the church. If you are hurt and you hold on to your hurt by somebody, you're not going to do what you're supposed to do. You draw back. You sit down. You stop. Let us, let us, Whew. it's time for us to press our way, saints. We got to press into this thing. When you don't, if your toe hurting on Sunday morning, get you a Band-Aid and get you some painkiller and wear a sandal and come on to church. If you got a headache, Get you some ibuprofen and come on to church. Because you're going to be hurting at home. So come on, hurt at church. And maybe we'll pray and you might get healed. Maybe a word will go forth. Maybe a praise or dance will go forth. And you might get healed while you stand at home. You, go, you ain't going to experience that. Ain't no sense in you saying you can get the same thing at home you get at church because you don't get the same thing at home. It is not the same watching it on TV as being in the midst. You know, I'm, I'm reminded often of that lady in Malawi. We were in the service. It was just praise and worship. We hadn't even ministered, hadn't preached yet, hadn't had an altar call, hadn't laid hands on anybody. But in the praise and worship, she came in with a foot on the side like this, and she was trying to dance. And she was trying to dance, and she kept about to fall in a passage upon the sword, and she tried to grab him, and he moved back. And when he moved back, she kept dancing, and all of a sudden, her foot went straight in the praise and the worship. Now, she had not come to the meeting. She might have still been walking with a lame foot. 
And she didn't come looking for a man to lay hands on her. She came looking to God to do something in her life. And when the praise was going on, she wasn't sitting back feeling bad because she had a lame foot. Are you hearing the Lord? With a lame foot, she was praising God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Well, I ain't going to praise the Lord. You know my toe hurting. Let us come together and rebuild. Let us come together and repair the preachers. The second thing that I notice and that we should notice is that everything that Nehemiah and the people needed to rebuild was provided for them. And you got to read it because Nehemiah doesn't tell you in chapter 2, but you got to read it. It's not mentioned here, but Nehemiah tells us that the hand of God that, was, that had been upon him for good uh, he tells us of the hand of God that had been upon him for good. Of the, hallelujah. The good hand of the Lord that was upon him. That's what he tells us about. And he tells us, uh, of, he tells the people of all of the good words of King Artaxerxes to him. Well, let me ask you a question. What did the hand of God look like? And what were the words that the king spoke to him? Well, if you know the story, Nehemiah goes after he gets the word about the torn down walls and the burned gates. He's grieved and he prays and he goes in the, just in the presence of the king doing what he was normally doing, being a cupbearer. And the king notices his downcast spirit and asks him what's going on. Well, when he tells him, then Nehemiah asked for permission to go back to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, this is the king who had previously stopped the work on the rebuilding. So the same king who had previously stopped the work granted him permission without hesitation. That's the hand of God. That's the hand of God. Not only that, but he asked for and was given letters addressed to the governors of all of the territories that he would have to pass through in order that they would grant him secured passage through their territories. That's the hand of the Lord. That's the hand of the Lord. Not only that, Nehemiah had a military escort. Even though he, the Bible doesn't say he asked for it. Nehemiah had a military escort to take him all the way to Jerusalem. That's the hand of the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not only that. Hallelujah. He also asked permission to go to the king's forest and to get timber for the rebuilding of the walls and the gates. That's and it was granted to him. That's the hand of the Lord. Some, some people are looking for the hand of the Lord to come down just like this. And don't see God moving in situations and circumstances and changing things and ordering things and restructuring things. You need to, you need to recognize the hand of the Lord in your life. He was well prepared to lead in this ministry, this ministry venture. Saints, I want you to know today that we're well prepared for the task at hand. Oh, yes, we are. We, we, yeah. We're well prepared. Nehemiah, Nehemiah had permission from King Cyrus, but we have permission from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Huh. Nehemiah had an earthly military escort, but we have a legion from the host of heaven. Oh, yes, his angels encamp around us who believe, and they obey the voice of his word. Hallelujah. And they're here to fight for us to guard us, to guide us, amen, along with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're well able, we're well able, we're well able. And the Bible says everything that pertains to life and godliness 
has already been given to us. I'll say it again, everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given to us. We have what we need to do what needs to be done. Let us rise and build. We got it. He's placed in our midst a prophet, an evangelist, an apostle, a pastor, a teacher, equipped you to, to, to teach you to do the work at hand. Let us I may not preach like Bishop Jakes, but I've heard Bishop Jakes preach subjects that I already preached. Because the word is the word. Amen. And we need the raw word. Many times we don't need the, we don't need the, the theatrics to go along with it. If you think back and you go back and you go through my messages, go and get, get some of my tapes and go back and study and study every one of my messages and see what you learn. See what you learn. We do not come short of word in this house. We are well qualified teachers in this house. This ministry does not come short of word. Let us rise and build. The hand of the Lord is on this ministry. If God's hand was not on this ministry, we would not have survived the things that we've survived. Nor would we have done the things that we've done. People may talk about us, but that's all right. People don't see what goes on behind the scenes. People don't see the millions of people that are being blessed through this ministry on a daily basis. Many times we're looking at what happens in South Carolina, but what's happening around the world. When you sit down to eat your meal today, in Malawi some children will eat tomorrow. You don't understand the, the import of that. When we stand and we join hands and we pray for nations, we join with saints around the world because we know the power of prayer. And strongholds are being broken. Walls are being torn down. People are being saved because we join hands. And we come together and stand in the gap with saints around the world. There are some valuable things in this ministry. Let us. Let us. Rise. And build. Finally after Nehemiah makes his plea. There is one response. From the people that gathered there. The leaders. The priests. The Levites. The people that had gathered responded and said, let us rise up and build. And the Bible says they strengthened their hands for the work, which basically means they went to work right away. They went to work immediately. They didn't have to go back and have a committee meeting because Nehemiah had already surveyed the situation. And all they needed to do was take instructions and do what they were supposed to do. Was there opposition? From the inside? Yes. But they had already strengthened their hands for the work. They had already made up their minds, we're going to do this thing. We're going to build this wall. We're going to repair this gate, these gates. So regardless of who opposes us, was the opposition from the outside? Yes. But they'd already strengthened their hands for the work. They had made up their minds and they put into action, put action behind their words and began the good work 
of rebuilding the wall. And in 52 days, in 52 days, they had repaired the walls around the city. In 52 days. Yeah. They had to work. When there was opposition, some had to work and hold their weapons and stand guard. But they worked. When they were being challenged to come down off the wall, they had to stay on the wall. But they worked. And in 52, somebody say 52. You know, it doesn't take long when the people have, a, have come together. And the Bible says in Nehemiah 4, 6, that the people had a mind to work. The people, Nehemiah didn't build the walls. Nehemiah was not the one who rebuilt the walls. The people rebuilt the walls. In 52 days, because they had a mind to work. Come on, Tabernacle of Praise. What's your response? When you look at it, you can, you can sit back and say, oh, Lord, po folk, people don't come to church no more. What's going on? Well, this happened and that happened, and blah, blah, blah. Is that the answer? Let us rise and build. God is for us. And if God is for us, it makes no difference who's against us. The enemy might ridicule us, but that's all right. The enemy might plot against us, but that's all right. The enemy might try to instill fear and discouragement in us, but that's all right. As long as we remember that the Lord is with us, this is the Lord's work. And we have a mind to work. I wonder today, how many of us have a mind to work? To go into the hedges and the highways. How many of you value this ministry enough to invite somebody to come and be a part of it? How many of us value this ministry enough to stop having disagreements that lead to discord? We can disagree without being disagreeable. We can sit down and reason together. And we can agree to get along together for the sake of the ministry. For the sake of the kingdom of God. We can agree to push forward and come together and everybody hold up his part for the sake of the ministry. Let us. I hope you hear the Lord today. If you don't hear the Lord, I hope you hear the burden on my heart. By now, we should be at two services. By now. But that's my estimation. You have to have the same estimation. You have to want to be a part of this not just because your name is on the roll, because you're excited about what God will do in York, South Carolina through this ministry. Let us. Let us. Let us. Let us rise. Build. This is August 26, 2012. Four more months in this year. How many of us, apart from things that you have already planned, the things that you have to do on a Sunday, will be here every Sunday to the end of the year? and commit to reaching somebody at least one person a month for the next four months. 
How many of us will commit to praying and fasting and seeking God and drawing closer to God and cutting out some stuff that's been taking our attention away from the things of God? How many of us will commit to changing our attitudes and being positive rather than negative? If we can't speak a positive thing, a positive word, we won't speak anything at all. That we will not engage in a negative conversation about anybody in this ministry. Regardless of what they do, nothing negative will come across our lips. How many of us will commit to do that? Let us rise up and build. Because if you can't commit to doing it, then you're not committed to this ministry. And you're not committed to releasing your pride and your self-righteousness enough that the glory of God would be revealed. Because ultimately, it's not about me. It's not about tabernacle of praise. It's about God. Let us rise and build. Let's build. Let's build. Let's, let's build our church school classes. Let's build. Not only you come, you got some neighbors, children, don't go to church anywhere. Ask them if you can bring their children to church. Let us. We have a church van that sits out there every week. Could be picking people up, bringing them to church. Let us rise and build. Let us. Let us. I want to see this ministry grow. wonder do you let us rise let's stand